0: and welcome to another episode of DIY EV Chat. Uh, My name is Tom Cheeswright and every time on this podcast, vidcast, whatever you want to call it, um, I get on a guest, somebody else who's either built their own EV or somebody who contributes to the community in one way or another. Uh, And today's guest is a proper car person with a variety of interesting projects. It is Alex Meek. Welcome to the podcast, Alex.
1: Good evening, Tom. Thank you for
0: having me. (laughs) Now, um, I always start with the same question, because people always ask me what skills do you need to go and do a project like this? Um, what's the day job? Do you bring anything sort of professional skill-wise to building your own EV?
1: Uh, oh, slightly, I suppose. I- I'm actually now head of IT for a not-for-profit organisation. Okay. Um, my-, my background is in development. We're going back quite a long way into kind of minis and mainframes. And and I still dabble with Arduinos and stuff like that. So I've kept my hand in and a lot of Internet of Things projects around the house, monitoring the boiler and the solar. and the... So electrically always been my thing, even from, you know, the age of, uh, you know, 16, hobby magazines, hobby electronics for people who remember it and building amplifiers and stuff like that. So always on that and then into coding later on. But, uh I'm not particularly good at either, to be honest. I just kind of <laughs> muddle through, you know. I sort of, I still do vero board, the occasional PCB, but you know, um, yeah, I keep it simple, and I try and. I'm quite pragmatic, I think, with the approach to things.
0: And, but on the other side, on the mechanical side, because it seems that everybody comes to this or lots of people come to these projects with one of the three skill sets, whether that's electronics, computing or the mechanical stuff. But I suspect you, from your, from a hobby side, you've got a bit of all three.
1: Yeah, I think a smattering of all three. Um, we, we have a, a 1971 historic race car, which I've been racing for the best part of 15 years now and maintaining that myself apart from the engine build so everything else on it um i'd mean, yeah, say uh, that thing is that thing is a gorgeous and b also looks absolutely terrifying to drive it's a it's a heap of fun i mean the, the, they're pretty quick um they're, they're light, only 420 kilos only 120 horsepower but it, it's it's you know it's pretty quick and it's open that's a wheels. pretty good ratio <laughs> it is and it's open wheel so you have to be careful about who you bump into because they'll flip over in an instant so I've had my moments in it. I've had one big accident in it, and um, it didn't put me off, but I think I was always a little bit slower after that. Um, and It's historic racing. People, at the end of the day, most of them want to bring the car home in one piece, so there's a respect, and they're, they're mostly kind of older gents like myself, so not the young guns. Um, having said that, somebody who won the series a few years ago is now a McLaren GT3 racer for, for real. You know, if, the, if the young guns come in and can win it, then they're reckoned to be you know pretty good drivers, and uh, I think what happened over time is that when I started, I was nearer the front, and then people came into it, realizing it was a cost effective form of motorsport, and gradually, I got pushed down the field as the younger, faster people came in so
0: um, not necessarily so cost effective now I understand isn't the car quite valuable these days
1: uh that that not especially no I think you know it, it, that's maybe twenty twenty five thousand pounds worth it's you know okay. as race cars go it's it's not hugely valuable um they're easy to maintain you know so it's just tubular chassis and a cross flow engine and things so pretty simple which is part of the attraction i didn't have lots of money to pay people to maintain it um and then alongside that we also built a half built kit car during lockdown bought that and finished that off and that was really a decision to kind of my wife used to drive the formula four before the kids came along okay decided she couldn't really justify you know the cost of it just for the fun she was having so we sort of said well let's buy a track car and we finished that off and we've had a load of fun in that little low cost with an mx5 engine and my son's been involved we put a standalone ecu in it and it's it's good cheap fun you can drive all day for 250 quid and and you know if the engine dies you buy another one for 200 quid and put it in you know it's as motorsport goes it's it's not racing it's not head-to-head uh, it lacks some of the adrenaline part of it, but it's ninety percent there really. So um, we're doing a bit more of that, that now, and um, we also ride enduro bikes. So, oh wow! Uh, my wife rides. My son rides with me. He's now now quicker than me, having just turned fifteen. He's just gone up to one two five, and is now much quicker than daddy. But we we go out for and doing enduro kind of just pay and play sessions. So I maintain all the bikes for that, and uh, you know pull apart a two stroke engine and. Wow. So mechanically um, self-taught, um, a neighbour across the road who got me into historic racing has, has helped enormously. And he's got a big lathe and I've got a little lathe and um, between us we can muddle through most things mechanically. Um, so, a
0: proper, so a proper petrol head then?
1: Yes, very much so. And in my wife's family. Her, her father is something of a legend in, in many circles. He, he set up and ran special tuning during the 70s. Wow.
0: And,
1: although he, he passed away last year, but he's known throughout the world. And, you know, the whole family, is car and Mini mad. So, uh, yeah, there was no getting away from it, really. My son's following uh, in, in the footsteps. So how
0: did the transition come about then? How did you, uh, what attracted you to the EV community?
1: Well, I, I was funny, just as, as before we came on, I was talking to my wife about it. And she said, actually, you remember, you know, probably 12 years ago, you started looking at it. I was doing a 50 mile each way commute. And burning up lots of petrol and I, I looked at you know using an old forklift motor and lead acid batteries as was kind of the way back then mm. did some calculations and just decided it wasn't viable I was never going to get the range I needed without it weighing three tons and things like that and, and I found the spreadsheet the other day and all the calculations there I just kind of gave up at that stage and thought uh, it's just not going to happen and then I think I came across Damien's videos you know how so many of these people start <laughs> like, well, well here's a character and he's he's getting stuck in and doing it. Um, and he, you know, like somebody said the video before, he just inspired. And I thought, you know, he's, um, you know, he's not an AK, but he gets stuck in and he gets on with it and he tries things. And and that approach sort of appealed to me. And, um, yeah, I just sort of said to my wife, look, we've got these two old cars. What if I built an EV and we got rid of one of them and I use the EV as my daily. So we sort of struck a deal and a budget and, um, I started looking into it seriously and, and came across Open Inverter and all that. And, you know, it sort of went from there, really. And so was, it, was the goal
0: to build something, to, something that was really practical, like, you know, something you could daily?
1: Yes, the, the goal was always to be able to do the shorter runs. So kids to school, uh, me to work. I work 18 miles down the road, so a 40 mile round trip. And that's 90% of our journeys. You know, the weekend, mm-hmm. running the kids to their mates, taking them swimming, all that usual sort of stuff. I thought, that's, that's the way to go. And then in between all this, I put solar panels on the on the garage and thought, well, you know, we can soak up the spare electricity rather than exporting it and stuff. So it all sort of fitted together. And I've calculated that the EV runs at 3p a mile when you charge it overnight. And the Volvo was 22p a mile. So when you look at the maths of it, it's it's not hard to justify.
0: Pretty straightforward, really. Yeah. And, and so that was it. And the the car you converted, we'll talk about what car it is in a second. Um, that was a
1: car you already owned then. No, no, I, I, okay. I foolishly started with buying the car, and I thought if I buy the car, then I'm sort of committing to it. <laughs> I've got to do it now. <laughs> got to do it now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought, yeah. So we, uh, I have a BMW 325 as well it's like my wife's car, but um, and I've done clutching gearbox on that, and um, I thought, well, this looks pretty straightforward to take the engine out and put a motor in it um so the the bmw was the obvious choice i had various code readers and things for it so yeah we found on ebay a 320d touring because we were getting rid of a volvo estate and um i paid 500 quid for it drove it back from weymouth with a smoky turbo (laughs) (laughs) Um, in fact i think at the end of the day the guy said the dual mass flywheel was going but when i took it apart the centre prop bearing was shot to bits, so I rather suspect it was not dual mass at all. But, um, 550 quid and it was a runner,
0: brilliant! Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing how many of those. So, what is it? It's a BMW, it's a 320D. What
1: series? It's an E46, so it's a 2005. E46. It's, the, it's the last of the E46s, um, six speed gearbox. Not that that matters now, but uh, uh yeah, it was. I, I like the E46. I was a bit concerned about doing anything too modern, you know, getting involved in the can and trying to keep all that stuff running. And again, because I had the E46 already, I was sort of familiar with that. And I thought it was sort of in the sweet spot between not too old, but not too modern, that it was going to be a nightmare. And, and all right from a rust perspective, which E46s aren't always. Uh, yeah, actually, it was better than mine. It's, you know, <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, I put front wings on mine and the rear arches need doing on my one. So no, this was in better shape than that. Um, and in fact, interestingly, it turned out to be an unusual car because um, we, we took it to a Bicester Scramble, which is a kind of a, a, an ad hoc show. I live in Bicester, so we, we go down. And I took the EV and opened the bonnet on it just so people could have a look. And it, it got lots of interest from the pictures I've sent you. And um, one of the guys was a real, he runs a YouTube channel called Interesting, Mildly Interesting Cars of London, I think. And he came across it and he loves E46s. And he said, this is a really unusual car, he said, because it's got wind-up windows in the back. And he said, what BMW did was they took all the bits off it and called it the sport model to make it because <laughs> it was lighter. So it's got wind-up windows, no buttons on the ceiling, no, no frilly bits, no sunroof. He said, yeah, this is a, this is a rare car. So,
0: <laughs> Oh, it's a, proper, it's a nice slick top as well, brilliant.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's okay. So, you bought the car. What was next? What was the next step? So, that was in the I think we picked up August uh, 2022. Um, my son and I took the engine out of it um, and just sort of thought we'd better see what size the engine bay looks like and what we've got to play with. Um, so, we did that. And at this stage, I was going down the open inverter route with the Prius um, motor. And I had there's a firm nearby who repair. Taxis, so they've got Prius stuff coming out of their ears, and I'm um, mm. you know picked all that stuff up for kind of next to nothing really. Um, and started getting that running on the bench, you know, following the tried and tested route of you know the the setup with the light bulb and you know, mm. kind of all that sort of stuff going on. Got that turning and thought, okay, so here we go. Now I've got the motor turning on the bench, we'll turn us, uh, you know, start looking at the mechanical side of it. And I think round about that time there were some questions on the forum about the actual power output of the Prius, and it's a big, heavy old lump that thing. Mm. And I was looking at it, thinking uh, it's quite tricky to get in. It's very wide, and um, and it was at that stage. I, I then sort of, before I started doing too much mechanicals, I, I swapped to do the Mitsubishi Outlander rear motor, but still keeping the Prius inverter with the open inverter board. And, got that running on the bench with some help with four members and things, and, and went That's down the that thing, route. I think, think Jamie had something to do with that choice, didn't he? Jamie Jamie very much helped me, as did Pete along the way. Um, yeah, all, all very helpful people. Um, getting you know the tuning right is always the tricky bit with this, and um, I think my soldering skills ultimately proved to be probably part of the ultimate problem because there's a bit of surface mount soldering to do. Um, when you get the board. And actually, my board was ordered during lockdown and there was some chip supply issues. Yeah. Um, and when it was delivered, it had the wrong CPU on it. So the first thing I did was try and get it software loaded and couldn't. And, you know, it was tearing my hair out, thinking step one, that I'm kind of failing. But Jamie stepped in, helped me, and and replaced that. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we got all that going. I, and I went ahead with the, the, the Mitsubishi rear with the... Um, Prius inverter with the open inverter board, plus the Outlander charger. Got all that running with with Jamie's help and the articles in the wiki. Um, Made up a big adapter plate, as you can see from a big chunk of aluminium, and just sort of lined it up in the garage as best I could and made up the coupler with the two splines. Yeah. Where did you get the splines from, from from clutch centres? Well, yeah, it's the clutch centre on the BMW side, and on the motor side, my motor came with a diff, Oh, okay yeah, so you pulled did, the piece so out of that. Pulled, yeah um and i've subsequently done that again to get, get another one I, i'm not entirely comfortable with my coupler at the moment when i had some recent issues i took it all apart and appear a be some wear in it so i'm making up a new one with a rotor flex coupling in it gotcha. as opposed to kind of a, a direct drive um it is wearing the splines on on the motor end and i think it's the alignment's not quite right it's you know again amateurish in the in the garage with the the gearbox and the black and decker and stuff we did the best we could you know it is what it is really but you've got a garage to work in at least i've got a lovely workshop i'm um, fortunate enough to you know when i moved here to build that and i've got a two-post lift um, wow okay makes life really really easy to get you know up and down and props off and exhaust and you know gutted the car quite easily and yeah um yeah, really spoiled for all the bits and pieces that we have welding and all those sort of metal work and can can, can be you much see good. me going green? <laughs> <laughs> well, the two phase is interesting on it its own because actually once you once you dive into it, they're not that hard to get going if you've got and it's outside. It's actually just under the carport. It's not in oh wow okay. Um, so I keep it greased up and it, it seems to be quite happy.
0: Brilliant! Well, yeah, that's the, yeah. Life goals for me, very much life goals. Two post lift. So you went, So originally said so that is Prius inverter, Outlander motor, Outlander charger, and and the usual stuff for sort of power steering, etc.
1: Yeah, the usual tried and <laughs> power steering. Uh, what is it? Vauxhall Safira is it? I think. Yeah. Safira Streamer,
0: a... I think it's known as now. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes. Exactly. And um, a vacuum pump, I think, of an Audi or something to keep the brakes going.
0: Yeah, yeah the UP thirty eight. Yeah.
1: Yeah, um, so I did all that. That ticks away in, in, in quite happily. And then the only the issue I really had was keeping the ABS working. It, it threw a bit of a hissy fit um, when I did all this. And, and I couldn't get it to work properly. So in the end, I sent the unit away because the E46 ABSs are known to have a fault with them. So I sent it away. They said, we can find nothing wrong with it. Do you want us to refurb it anyway? And I said, well, you may as well. And it came back and it worked. So... Um, you know, it must have had something intermittent that they, they couldn't reproduce, so...
0: Are, are you um, feeding it any CAN bus signals to delete uh,
1: error lights and things off the dashboard? N- well, not the ABS unit. No, in fact, um I had a chat with the garage about MOTing it, and I, I said, um, you know, there might be some error lights on, like the engine light. He said, well, I'm not bothered about that. There's no engine. Um He said, as long as the ABS light is off and the airbag light is off, he said, I'm happy. I said, okay. well, there's still a... There's still a light on which tells you it things you've got the hand. Oh, yeah, the traction's not working. That's still on. He said, "Well, there's no traction control. I'm not bothered." And I said, "Well, what should I do?" And he said, "Take the bulbs out." So, <laughs> and that was from the chief MOT tester. So they've been they've been really good about it actually. And um,
0: yeah. So but... so Andy Powell has sent me some code to turn off the to turn your traction control back on. And turn the light off on on it. Certainly for all Z3, we should probably okay. work on an E46 as well. Okay,
1: um, well, so, we did yeah, get all the want... dashboard working again. The RPM, the fuel gauge, dummies, you know for the battery condition, the coolant temperature works, done all that, um, and got the kind of coolant uh, you know overheat light working. So some of it working, but it's a funny thing that dash isn't it? because it's it's got two buses on it and it sort of sits between the IKE and the Can and it, it throws a hissy fit every now and then. I can't, don't know what the oil light's doing or well, what it thinks. They went through about,
0: is... n- they went about ninety-three versions of this as well. I mean, even just on the Z3, there's about fifteen different iterations of that dash, as far as I can tell. Um, yeah. I mean, I've got one, I've got literally got one here, um, right? Yes, and it's you know, it's 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 maybe a year later than the one that's in my car, and it's entirely
1: different on the inside. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I've got two like that in the garage, and we, we played with them, and it's as good as. I'm happy with it for now. I you don't have to reset the dash. Um, You know, it gets, it it just, as long as the speed on the RPM work, I'm I'm not too concerned about the rest. So uh, it's nice to have, but it's not mission critical. So you started in 2020, August, 2022, did you say? And when did you get it on the road? Um, I think I first of all got it on the road. um, Probably around around about May time this year. So it took, I I would say about 10 months from getting the car to getting it on the road. Um, had one set of BMW batteries in it from the start and put those in the front um, behind the radiator with the charger, so built up some layers there. Um, then put another pack in the back, so a 12 kilowatt pack in the back, wired all that up. Got all the BMS working, although well, I haven't got the balancing working yet, but the BMS reports in, but there's the, the, the biggest delta at the moment is only 30 millivolts, so I'm not panicking about that just yet. Yeah, Um, but I do need to do some work on that. And then I drove it for, you know, quite happily for probably like a thousand miles, and it sort of went through a funny thing. Every now and then I'd get in it and I'd try and pull out of the parking space, and it would trip. So I turn it off, start it, and it, it just weirdly increased in frequency from like once a week to twice a week to once every day, gradually just in the decline until it got to the point where. I couldn't drive. it. I couldn't trust it anymore. And it, mm. would, it would triplicate when I was out. And, you know, with Pete and Jamie on the forum, went through probably eight full days of troubleshooting. I had spare inverters, you know, cabling, everything I could think. I had the gearbox out because the gearbox guy convinced me the torque of the motor was spinning the gears on the shaft and took all that out, and got a different motor, went through everything. And in the end, I think there must be some fault with the open inverter board that I I couldn't diagnose. It, it it's too complicated for me to get into that. And I thought, well it, it had a little bit of a checkered history with it with the CPU change and, and things. Mm. So um I then thought, well do I do that again or do I do what seems to be more popular now and go down the, the zombie route? Um people seem to be having, you know, lots of success with that. So I picked up a an Outlander inverter and got that running with the motor, and then did a little zombie VCU, you know, um, alongside my dashboard one, a little Teensy 4, and got that working. And um, that's been back on the road now. Well, I had a bit of trouble. The other trouble I had was I had some corruption display I couldn't work out, uh, which kind of held it back because I I couldn't get the dashboard to work properly. and have problems with the BMS, all sorts of kind of random things. It's only been back on the road for probably um three weeks now. So it's been off the road for uh, probably two straight months while I've sorted all these things out. But it's it's back now. I'm using it again and driving it tomorrow. And it has a range for about sixty-five miles at the minute. And that's with twenty four kilowatt hours in. Uh so it's a nine and a twelve, so twenty well, so twenty-one. Okay. Yeah. Um yeah. I, I it, interesting. I'm probably one of the few people who've had the opportunity to drive the Prius inverter with the motor and then the Outlander inverter in the same car, same setup. And everyone who's got in it says the Outlander inverter is smoother. Just difficult to pin down exactly what it is, but it's a bit like going from a four-cylinder to a six-cylinder car or something. It's definitely quicker. It's probably 15 to 20% quicker than it was substantially, I would say. And that could be down to I didn't tune the Prius too hard, um, because you know, as Jamie found out, if you start tuning it quite hard, it, it starts tripping out. Yeah. So we got to a point where I was, you know, the performance was adequate. I wasn't going to complain about it and left it there. But this out of the box is just better, and um, you can just plant your foot and not worry about a trip or anything like that, and the, it just yeah you know, takes off. And in first gear, it's really pretty rapid.
0: I mean, given that I'm sat on a, a Outlander rear inverter and I have the Outlander rear motor in my car um, and I have a zombie inverter hanging around, it's quite tempting. But actually, in first gear, my car just spins the wheels. Um, yes, So do- it right. doesn't trip, just spins the wheels. Um, okay, right. So I'm probably, don't, probably not going to do it because it's quite
1: powerful enough. But... Well, if you've got a working solution that doesn't seem to... Uh, you know, I, I didn't, so I, I yeah. decided that was a change. Um, and there's something quite nice and simple about using the outlander inverter. You just send yeah. it one number. You overcome one number. That's all you need. That, the speed regen, you know, kind of like it's just sort of it's it's yeah. The simplicity appealed. Although I felt slightly aggrieved to have left the whole open inverter thing behind because I sort of enjoyed that and the parameters and the the tuning of it and the interface and stuff.
0: Yeah, I do have a, I mean, I actually have a spare Outlander rear motor as well, albeit it does need uh, a new bearing and a new uh, resolver, or uh, well, at least the resolver wiring sorting, but yeah, maybe something yes. for a future project, we shall see. <laughs> I could yeah. do side-by-side comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, we we'll do a drag race between them, that'd be fun. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, any issues getting, apart from sort of um, pulling out bulbs, any issues getting it approved, uh,
1: getting mot and approved, or getting it insured? And not really. The, the, you know, a few people said we want an engineer's report, and I said, "Okay, so what do you mean by engineer? Do you mean the MIT guy, or do you mean somebody with like letters after their name?" And and when push came to shove, they just said, "I'll just get the garage to write something." <laughs> so, you know, I know my local garage. Just look. Can you just do something on a headed paper to say that you've you've approved it and there's no bits hanging? You know, and they just did a a simple letter, and the insurers. Not everybody wanted to insure it. My. Regular insurer turned it down, and, as did several others, but uh, I can't remember who I went with in the end. Somebody recommended on the forum. Um, Probably a Adrian bit, Flux. Yeah, I think it could have been. And um, it was a little bit more than my road car, but, um, you yeah, uh, know, I am comfortable with that. It was, you know, it's it, it's quite a thing to Insure, I suppose. You know, it's a, <laughs> it's a risk for them.
0: Uh, apart from the sort of the uh, degrading performance and the tripping, what, like, what were the biggest challenges along the way?
1: Any big setbacks? um no i don't think so what the way i describe this project is it's it's complex but not complicated it's a series of steps all of which required detail and thinking about but none of them were especially taxing but you've got to get them all right and all in the right order and for it all to work so um and that's why i would recommend to people it's actually easier than you might think in many Mm -hmm. regards because you get through one step and then it's on to the next one and it's a lot of 12 volt wiring you know the best piece of advice I got from Jamie was plan out the 12 volt wiring don't get strung up on the you know the high voltage and stuff because there's not, not actually much of that and he was absolutely spot on I you know bought a fuse box and relay box and and spent a lot of time doing that right and I wouldn't have done that without the advice I mean it's a good good thing.
0: If you ever saw the wiring on Jamie's before he tidied it all up, I think you'd know that he learned from experience.
1: Well, he did. He was, he was he was very good, actually. When I was looking into it, I think before I bought the car, or maybe just after I bought it, me and my son went up and saw Jamie at home and saw the beat. And he, he was very sweet. But he, he, he kind of let me drive it, kind of take it for a spin, and you know, we went out in it, and I thought, OK, I, I get this now. And you're right, the wiring was... I looked at it and thought, OK, so I'm not going to do that. But actually... In a funny way, it does sort of end up looking like that. I very much, I prototyped it from the beginning and I had like little junction boxes bolted down and I knew I was going to make a lot of changes. So mm. definitely the outset was prototype it and be able to move the wires around very easily. And now I'm just getting to a stage where I'm cleaning that up and you know covering bits of wire over in, in proper coverings and stuff. I, I think um, I'm on the
0: fifth iteration of my wiring and there's definitely going to be a sixth
1: um and the other interesting thing that happened on the back of going to the show was we bumped into a company called electrogenic uh, oh, and yeah. custom um conversions and they're down the road from us in kidlington and they got talking to me and my son about it and they, they were fascinated by the car they're using the same zafira pump you know and stuff like that and uh, lots of crossovers so on the back of that i think my son's going to do some work experience with them Oh,
0: amazing
1: they were very interested in him and said look come down in the summer and spend some time with us um And I've I've been in touch with them off and on. We went to see the factory where they do their conversions. They invited us down. Um, So they they were just very hospitable and and, and great people. And and very much doing, when we went to the factory, they're doing some custom things. Very much along the lines that everyone here has done. You know, take an old classic and take the bits out and convert it on a a one-off basis. Yeah, it's
0: really good to hear that there's sort of that, that nice crossover between the, sort of the professional and, and the DIY. Just a random question, this might seem odd. What oil are you using in your power steering pump? Because we we're having this conversation today about how noisy they are and whether they're actually using the recommended oil, that, the oil that's recommended for the pump rather than the oil that's recommended for the rack. Um,
1: I'm using ATF fluid. Right, okay. Um, now, interesting, the guy from Electrogenic. He said, we've been through a lot of these, and he said, if they're noisy, they're going to fail. And he said, when we get them in, we run them up. And if they're noisy, he said, we just chuck them in the bin. He said that he, he, you'll find quiet ones, and they're the good ones. But <laughs> So that was their take on it. He didn't say anything about oil. I could ask the manager. And I said,
0: I've been through two. And they both sounded exactly the same, so I don't know whether I just got two bad ones. But I am going to try putting the—I uh, can't remember what it's called—but the green stuff that, that's recommended for the Zafira is very okay. different in some ways to the—it's it's a more sort of typical hydraulic oil than the ATF that's recommended for the uh, for the rack.
1: Um, I think. I think if one thing I would do differently next time is that is the noisiest part of the car, mm. and it consumes quite a bit of electricity. So I think I will probably look at doing an electric rack next time. Um, was it, yeah, was we, there ever an
0: electric rack for the E46?
1: There wasn't. Was no, there? there never was. But I, I also fortunate enough to own an old TVR uh, uh, Okay. Without power steering, and, and a lot of the guys on that forum, they take I think the Corsa the tap- B. Yeah, Corsa is it? And, and yeah. they convert those as women and TVR to do that, and it seems to work alright, even with a five liter V8 sat over it. So I, I think if I were doing it again, I would probably. Um, take the time and effort to do that and, and ditch the the noisy pump
0: that and an eye booster are definitely future upgrades for me yeah um, I, either a prius or a corsair rack and an eye
1: booster instead of the up38 okay yeah well and, and of course you know once you've done this you, you start thinking about your next one <laughs> so, like, so you know I, I thought oh well this is working but there are things i would do differently and you know, different approaches. So, um, you know, in the back of my mind, there's another one coming at some point. I
0: was going to say, do you have another project in mind?
1: I I think Pete is doing a smart, and I, I would like to do a smart coupe or something like that, you know, keep it small and fast, and yeah, that would be that would appeal, but Definitely. not very family-friendly. Um, no. And it's just the cost <laughs> of the batteries, really. Um, yeah. Although they're coming nice. down
0: all the time. Um, and you're yeah, regularly seeing things go at £30 per kilowatt hour on eBay now is that right okay yeah Um, Um, if you buy the bigger packs certainly
1: yeah i've been looking at the things like kia nero packs out there they're Mm -hmm. kind of big slabs but you've got to have sort of a certain design of vehicle to take that or i guess maybe you can break them up i don't know but uh, yeah that's coming in the next project (laughs) i
0: don't want to mention them because prices will go through the roof but there's a particular (laughs) manufacturer and type of pack i'm looking at which is quite cheap and has very usefully sized modules that also have very easy mounting options
1: Right, it is useful to like the BMW packs. You can split up and it, yeah. you know to mount them individually. Really helps.
0: Yeah.
1: And yeah. um, what's been the most rewarding aspect of the project? Uh, it does put a smile on my face driving it, you know, uh, uh, and, and my son loves it. You know, he's a, he's a you know, petrol head as well, and just dad, this is really cool, you know. So it's been a, a good thing for him, and um, yeah, it's just I, I, I guess I'm, I'm in a small way, I'm proud of it. Um and the fact it's been done I think I'm three and a half grand all in. Wow. You know, so when, okay, that's when good. I, when I say I've got an electric car, you know, I can't drop twenty or thirty thousand on the car nor would I. So uh, you know, I'm pleased that it's been done on a budget and it and it's usable.
0: Yeah. I mean, think yeah, I think that's a that's a good benchmark these days. Like sub four grand for a usable family EV conversion I yeah, think yeah. is you know i'm not saying everyone can hit that target i certainly went over a bit but then you know i'm building something fancy that's going to be a car for life rather than something practical but yeah you know, i think a, a number of people now are doing a sort of sub four grand 4k uk pounds for a good
1: usable ev i think it's brilliant i, I think it's doable i think i spent two grand on the batteries and you know five on the car and you know it, it, some bits you can't get away from like the front to rear cables i couldn't Find anything suitable. I had to buy that at 18 pounds a meter, you know, there was like yeah. 250 pounds worth of cables or something. So, is it, it? I tell myself three and a half grand it's probably near if yeah. I <laughs> top it of off, but yeah, it's it's there or thereabouts, isn't it?
0: And right, the question I ask everybody what's your favorite
1: tool? Uh, well, actually, uh, so a few is years ago, is it the two I'm, post lift? <laughs> no, it's not. That is, I tell you that, that, that is good. It's a Sealy, um, quarter inch motorized drive and mm. um, use it a lot because, you know, the Prius inverter had a million screws around it and all these things have, you know, and zzz, 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 so it takes them off really easily. Uh, yeah. That's probably the thing. And one thing I'd bought halfway through was a bonnet lamp, which oh. is a, one of those ones that stretches and hooks around the bonnet each side and has a led strip. I mean, that thing is just brilliant. I'm genuinely tempted
0: to mount one of those permanently
1: on the, on the underside of my bonnet. I have it lifted up so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that's that been a brilliant purchase. Um, yeah, they're probably the two favourite things
0: brilliant well listen alex i will post photos of your build in the show notes um and yeah thank you so much for coming on um i want to come have a drive because i really need to build a proper family car at some point and an e46 would be amazing as a a, a
1: fellow bmw fan (laughs) anytime tom you're welcome
0: brilliant right thank you for watching hope you enjoyed that found it useful um again always love comments questions and keep the feedback coming this is very much meant to be a sort of part of the EV community I can't really contribute in terms of my engineering skill albeit you know there are some 3D printed designs of mine still floating around the forums that people are still using um but yeah if I can contribute by by answering questions and getting brilliant people like Alex who've built their own to answer your questions then so much the better so yeah please do like subscribe there'll be lots more of these coming this year I've got loads more interviews lined up thanks for watching bye bye and thanks again Alex bye
1: thank you bye Tom